Welcome to the second episode of the Ritual Sex Astrology Podcast. My name is Melissa Tofton. And my name is Sarah Zoltash. If you enjoy our collaboration, you can find me on social media under Elemental Eros. And you can find me under Beloved Sarah Zoltash. In line with the new moon and the full moon, about every two weeks, we will offer to you a bi-weekly dose of astrological insights and sex magic ritual for your celestial pleasures. I dreamt last night about yarrow. Oh, yeah. Increasingly in my life. I know, I know, but that, that's what happens. They appear in my dreams. <laughs> the plants appear in my dreams. I know. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> yarrow's here. <laughs> like, th- th- it will be like, yeah. When I dream of the plants, it's so clear then that my dreams are telling me, are giving me messages. Mm. Messages that are kind of abstract. Like, I also dreamt of, like, Boris Johnson taking a wee and like various other weird things like like the, I dreamt of like patriarchy in Iran and Boris Johnson taking a wee and well uh, fucking hell yeah, yeah I mean yeah yeah visceral visceral yeah, yeah you know but yeah, then yeah, it's like taking you there yeah then it's like oh my psyche weird you know what's going yes. on whereas yarrow when when the yarrow appears and it's and it's literally like appearing and then there's my hand and I'm harvesting it and it's it's like it's showing me what to do with it mm. then it's like I don't know, it feels less like, okay, I just drank too much Damiana tea yesterday. And more, <laughs> and more like, like an actual message. I want some Damiana tea. Mm. Mm. So how have you been since the last lunation, since the full moon? Ah. Ah. Uh. Uh-huh. Mm. Mm, yes that just like that well because mercury came out of retrograde on monday and yeah it's hard to know what i found that the mercury coming out of retrograde was like a kind of um like okay now i'm ready now i'm gonna go i'm gonna do things i'm gonna i'm gonna say stuff oh shit i don't know what the fuck is going on everything was a mess what Mm. the fuck and i Mm. had like five double scheduled appointments Mm. and a kind of complete misconception of the amount of work that i was going to be able to do once mercury had gotten out of retrograde Mm. just because mercury has come out of retrograde doesn't mean that i'm 12 people all of us rocket fueled Mm. and yeah i wonder Mm. how that worked out for you I've been feeling like the last um, the last week has felt like a really long acid trip. Mm. I felt really dreamy, like mm. not quite here, not quite human, mm. something other. Mm. Um, so yeah, it really feels like either there's something happening in the sky or there's just something that my body is collecting all of this information from Mercury being in retrograde that I'm just like kind of getting a cosmic slap across the face mm. like get your stuff together mm. um yeah being domed by by some cosmic grace mm. <laughs> mm. really asking you to submit and surrender mm. yeah Mm-mm. yeah mm. i wonder because i know that mars has conjunct chiron this week mm. it's come in like this idea that sort of like cauterizing our wounds of like Mars has this really fast, very clean energy mm. of motivation and stamina and determination mm. and assertion. It's not this like gentle knocking on the door of um, that the sun and the moon in Cancer is offering us or that Venus in Gemini is like, oh, let's do this or let's do that. Mars is like, 
what are we burning? Okay, good. Mm. And Chiron is like, burn these wounds. And mm. I've had a few people um, this week contact me and be like, what the fuck is going on? And, mm-hmm. I've, and I've said, oh no, has someone set fire to your core wounds? And they're like, yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. And I think if you're unprepared mm. for your core wound to be set on fire then what can happen is that the nervous system basically just blows out. The Mm. sensory system just blows out. And instead it's Mm. like operating in a kind of like numbness, a vagueness, Mm. a cloud, because suddenly all of this, um, like, I wonder what would have happened to the witches who were burning at the stake, you know, Mm. when Mm -hmm. they they went into like an ecstasis actually of Mm. like, okay, I just need to not be in this moment, you know? Mm. Yeah, when you say um, about the combination of the of the fragile nervous system and the and the the fire of the wounds, the wound fire, mm. um, the shamanic wound fire, I mm-hmm. see that as this combination, this like more toxic combination of like air and fire. Mm. That like a, an unbalanced nervous system is adding air, like giving oxygen to that untamed fire. Mm. And so yeah, it's like how did these witches integrate this the oceanic element of resistance through? Um, centeredness mm, mm. Mm. yes I just felt a little bit sensitive then as soon as I said about the witches I can mm. draw in um, these great atrocities that have occurred and talk about them because mm. I have a I've adapted to a life like that mm. but I also want to for our listeners and for you as well mm. to say I know that that's a sensitive subject and I will mm. be careful before drawing it in mm. and it's interesting you say about air and fire because Mars being fire in Aries and Venus being um, in Gemini, mm. Gemini is air. Super airy, yeah. And, and so when we have been going towards um, what we desire, we may very well have been encountering this kind of like explosiveness of our wounds, mm. you know, a kind of like Venus's curiosity of like, let's go here, let's go there. Is like, let's go here. <laughs> let's go there and then it feeling like oh my god I can't go anywhere if I go anywhere if I do anything that I desire I am going to like a sort of um, an explosive Midas touch you mm-hmm. know absolutely and yeah and that can that I'm sure can feel really challenging and I'm just wondering what it is that's coming up this week that we might be able to draw on to be able to bring some soothing and some sense of healing around that mm. what would you like mm. <laughs> If there was a menu, what can I bring you? Ah, Earth. Earth. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the great Earth that we have unfolding at the moment Mm. is all of the... Um, what some astrologers are calling the Corona Party, in um, in that's sort of going on mostly in Capricorn, but it did, did go into Aquarius, which is Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter... And also the asteroid Pallas Athena, this kind of um, warring, strategic, disciplined, truth-holding, um, justice-holding asteroid, as well as the expansive Jupiter and the transmutational decay, death-bringing Pluto and the limits and structures and hierarchies and power of, of Saturn. Mm-hmm. All four of those are in retrograde at the moment in Capricorn. And so actually when we're looking at Earth and we are all looking at Earth and we're all looking at our own Earth and we're also looking at our institutions and our structures and our society and our own achievements and mm. how we've developed power in our lives and what we are, what we have power over, what we have power under, like mm. what we have power in relation to, how that is all working, we're all facing that at the moment because the sun is directly opposite the corona party right now. Mm. And the moon is coming 
coming into being opposite the Corinne party at the time of the new moon on Monday, which is at around 7.32 p.m., I believe, in Berlin. And the moon and the sun are going to be exactly next to each other. And they are going to be directly opposite Saturn in retrograde. And so we cannot help but bring the fullness of our being everything we think we are, everything we think everyone else is, this really core conception of self and identity mm. and the way that that self and identity relates, relates in the darkness, relates without necessarily being um, acknowledged for that relation. Mm. It's not about like, I relate by, like, I met up with my friends, I did this. It's like, at your core, when mm. it's just you and you, how are you in relationship to everything? And especially facing this grand vista of everything that is being taken away mm. and stripped down and stripped apart so that what really needs to come up from the shadows can mm. and so that we can integrate that and we can be strategic about it like that's um, Athena's blessing I think in that crowd is mm. to be strategic it's not just three drunk warlords dancing around their handbags full of grenades you know <laughs> I love that image so much <laughs> I it's love, so perfect yeah though. I love the drunk warlords they're there in their like heels with their great sort of hairy legs and, yes like, they're like yeah fuck this you know they're really yes. like going for it by this time of the year as well they've been in this dance since the 20th of December 2019 and they will be in the dance until the 20th of December 2020 mm -hmm. So this is like midway through the rave, you know, they're really mm. going for it. It's the peak of the rave. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Wow, I love that. Yeah, it's the peak of the rave of destruction. And we need them to mm. rave and they're doing something for us. Mm. And it might be annoying. It's like, oh my God, their sound system is really loud. I kind of want to rest, you know. <laughs> but actually it's one of those times where you need to like kick back, set up some space in your living room or your balcony and listen into that concert that's going on over there and be like, damn, I get free tickets, mm -hmm. you know. I didn't even have to have this party myself. So Someone's partying on my behalf. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's hard to say that though when mm. that party is causing us more than just nuisance and frustration and oh I can't sleep it's like I can't breathe I can't live I can't um, do what I want to do I can't move in the way I can't look after my family I can't feed my kids I can't earn a living this is, this is all of what's coming up but it is oh I just got goosebumps yeah, um, yeah and um and but it's it's all of what's coming up and we do have um there's a couple of other things that I can mention that will soothe that sense of um, nervous system activation that's been happening. But I wonder how that's landing for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, part of me just wants to um, integrate that, like breathe that in a little bit. Mm. Um, yeah, and there's another part of me that knows that there is also a, a counteracting force, this invitation to come home and find refuge, that there is a soothingness. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And so I'm so curious if we can acknowledge the bigger rave, the like Corona party that's going on, and these like <laughs> rave monsters um, that are partying around their handbags for us. What are the like, yeah, if it's a festival, there's always like a holistic tent at a festival, isn't there? So like, what's the, what's the cosmic version of this well-being section of the festival yeah that's a really good way to think about it that's yeah great so the cosmic well-being tent that we have going on is that <laughs> conjunction of sun and moon in cancer 
um, that's going to come together and be exact at the new moon on Monday. Mm. And also in there we have Vesta. And Vesta as an asteroid relates to, um, Vesta is the sister of Jupiter, so has this expansive quality. You know, her place in the kind of family of things is really important that she is holding together she's holding the temple together really and mm. she does that by having amazing people that she works with and so this image of a holistic well-being tent if you've ever gone into a, one of those spaces I was really fortunate to be in one last year being cared for that where every single person operating in that space is some kind of amazing wizard or priestess or um, wise person with the things that they're working with and so the invitation to be in the the holistic tent and also draw in the company of the people who are really going to help you to b bring that home bring that foundation bring that root mm -hmm. um and bring the family into being mm -hmm. you know it's a good time to get together with the people you know it may just be two people maybe three mm -hmm. four maybe six at the most you know mm -hmm. a kind of family unit as we've been seeing them in um a household as mm -hmm. we've been hearing this term in the corona party right this term household which we we hadn't been didn't have had access to for such a long time is to get in with your household and be like okay what part are we all playing in holding our well-being together mm -hmm. and that's the real focus of the new moon in cancer mm -hmm. it's the second new moon in cancer of the year the first new moon was at solstice mm -hmm. and that was an opportunity to plant seeds into the, you know, we were aligned with galactic center on that new moon. It was a time to plant deep, deep seeds and to receive from that mysterious void, like all that might come. Whereas this time it's it's like, okay, yeah, cool. I planted seeds into the void. Loads of crazy big stuff's happened over the last few weeks with all the eclipses and things. In comparison to like that seed that the void invited me to plant what seeds do I want to plant now where some of the fat is trimmed away from that kind of grand idea I've been given some insights you know Mars was telling us like a couple of weeks ago like do this you know mm -hmm. do this what insights have you gotten to be able to, for this seed to be something much more precise mm -hmm. and something that will grow rapidly mm -hmm. we're not talking about something that's going to grow over 26,000 years we're talking about something that could very well grow in the next month mm -hmm. and so what seeds do you have the nourishing fertile soil to be able mm -hmm. to grow in this next month like how can you like if you're like, I'm going to plant a giant eight-foot conifer in my bedroom. It's like, really? Mm. Is that, is that going to work out for you? Or do you want to plant some primroses? Do you want to plant some chamomile? Do you want to plant some calendula? Because you can actually hold it, mm. you know? Um, and so that's part of this um, holistic well-being tent. And there's also, at the time of the new moon, there is a water trine occurring. It means that there are different aspects that are happening in water and they have a good trine, right? And almost you can think of that as like really helpful signposts around the festival mm. that actually show you where the well-being tent is. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, like sometimes you're like, oh my God, where's the well-being tent? Mm. Why aren't there good signposts? <sighs> Thankfully, at New Moon, we do have really good signposts. Mm. And the signposts are 
midheaven in Scorpio, that actually whilst all of that unfolding change, great decay, transmutation, destruction, let it happen on the public stage. Mm. It doesn't need to happen inside your heart. It can happen on the public stage. You can come back and tenderly care for yourself. Mm. And if you're observing that, you're like, wow, the whole world is going to shit. Mm. That is, ah, signpost. I need to go. I need to go and make myself some herbal tea. I need to get with my crew. I need to look after myself and be safe. Another signpost is Mercury's sextile to Uranus. Mercury is also in Cancer. Uranus is in Taurus and astrologer I love says that when the planets are in when the planets have sex we all have a good time <laughs> Mercury and Uranus are having sex in, in this and it's an earth water mm. um, combo mm. so it's very fertile and actually what it's like an opportunity for Mercury to be it's a signpost and it's one that's really close to the door of the holistic well-being tent you know mm. and it's like one that says like I'm gonna I'm going to look after myself now, actually. And mm. it's going to sound a little bit rebellious. It's going to sound a little bit against mm. the grain. It's going to speak to the truth of the earth. It's going to speak to stability in, in these times of great change. It's going to speak to the innovations that we need to have in relation to our body, in relation to our senses, in relation to our pleasure. And when we, are, when we hear ourselves speaking in that way, you're like, signpost, I need to go and look after myself. And also an opportunity for other people. If you're encountering people who are like, actually, do you know what? Like I could come to that thing that you're asking me to do that is like super like challenging and involves me having to really challenge and stretch myself and go out of my comfort zone. Or I could like hear that as an invitation to go, "Mm, no thanks. I'm gonna rebel against your peer pressure to come and get involved with the war. And, and instead I'm going to go and look after myself because the real victory is, is yeah. there. And then this third signpost, mm. and, then, and then, yeah, the, the third signpost, and then it will be time, I think. I can feel, because especially what the third signpost is, I can feel the ritual beginning to bubble up inside mm. of me. Um, the third signpost is Ceres conjuncting Neptune in Pisces. So Pisces the great ocean spirituality oneness boundarylessness Mm -hmm. a different kind of water to cancer cancer is the cup right scorpio is the swamp pisces is the ocean Mm. and neptune rules pisces it's in its house it's a sign of its rulership and it's in retrograde there and so it means that we're also really open to cues from the world from the universe Mm. of like wow, the spiritual story, you know, the greatest Mm. story, the bigger thing, the thing that isn't about divisions and atomizing individuals, me, them, all this stuff. But the thing is, that's just like the energy that's moving through all of us. Mm. We're, there's, um, in some ways, we might even feel like that story is being imposed on us, you know, Mm. like, I want it to be about me. And the story Mm. is like, it's about everything, you know. And with Ceres being conjunct to Neptune in Pisces, Ceres is our territories. Mm. Like, Ceres is also a version of the mother. So Mm. it connects in with Cancer. Mm. And it's um, actually trining the Cancer sun. Mm -hmm. And Mm. so this real strong sense of, like, territory, maternity, of, like, like, not boundaries and borders, the kind of harsh way, the strong, disciplined way of Saturn, but, like, the hedgerows, you know, the edges mm. of the field and all that, all that fertility that grows in the edges 
also potentially with a with a sense of attachment that um, Ceres is known for being having been very attached to her daughter, not wanting to give Persephone up to go and um, go into the underworld with Hades, with Pluto in this instance. And so we might feel attached to some of these dreams, some of these beautiful stories, some of the ways that um, our own spirituality is. We might be like, yeah, but it's about the spiritual story. We might actually start feeling an attachment to that. My, this is my territory. I love God. This is my spiritual practice. I love this. Like, and those, and what again, remembering these are signposts when we're feeling that. It's like, okay, I need to go and look after my body. Mm. I need to go and retreat. Like if you find yourself in a kind of like, um, like I really, I have to do yoga. The only way to get through this is by doing yoga. I have to connect him with my definite spiritual practice. It's like, no, you need, you need to go and rest, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, and I love that. Yeah. And so those, th- those are these three signposts. And what we might feel is that um, what's coming up in these um, dreams, these feelings around our territories, as if it's being imposed on our bodies, um, that, what we really want to be doing is finding a way to present those dreams to the world as the essential transformation that we need to undertake. But the only way of being able to do that is by going into the holistic well-being tent and looking after ourselves first. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I'm noticing that we didn't chat so much about the presence of Lilith in the sky. You said something about Mars, Lilith, going on some kind of date. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. And I'm wondering why I didn't want to draw as much attention to the fact that Chiron and Mars, which have been conjunct this week, are approaching, Mars is approaching Lilith, and that there is approaching Eris. I'm looking now, and they're within 15 degrees of each other, these four things. Um, Lilith isn't an object, it's a shadow, but still, these are like Mm. pretty, they are... Um, some pretty heavy forces. They're painful forces. Eris's discord. Lilith. Lilith for me brings out the intensity of everything. Mm. Right. So wherever she is, she is the long shadow. She is the dark, like um, the kind of mi- the mystery, the the space where you can go into where there's so much fertility because there's so much intensity. Mm. And. I think perhaps my focus on healing, you know, Mm. my focus on wateriness, I am also in cancer, that I'm a bit like, and also they're in square, you know, I'm this, the sun and the moon in cancer, along with Vesta, along with Mercury, are actually squaring Chiron, Mars, Lilith and Eris in Aries. There's a real choice to be made, you Mm. know, it's pivotal. Mm. It's like, do you... um, which which side of this coin are you are you betting on you know mm. and it's the the intensity the fire that clean energy to cauterize the wound how long do we want to stay with it for you know mm-hmm. and that's always for me the thing with any chart from any time or any person's birth or whenever it's for we always get to choose what we focus on mm. and the Lilith intensity, I really wonder, as it's unfolding right now, in conjunction with Eris and Mars and Chiron, if it's, if, how many of us truly have the room in our garden for a bonfire so big? Mm, yeah, how sustainable is it as well right. to be inspired by Lilith? I feel like 
every you know it's the the archetypal story of the powerful femme is that that union when working with Lilith as an archetype it can bring in so much destructive energy it can burn through all of our systems our internalized systems systems of oppression which is like fuck yes thank you Lilith thank you for showing me how I collaborate with my oppressors and sometimes I other powerful femme folk and Lilith want to just like have a rest Maybe Lilith wants to like call her mom. Mm. Um, and for me, I've been working with the the archetype of Ashahara, which is like Lilith's mom. It's mm. like when Lilith is done doing all of this intense shadow work, can Lilith have a rest? Mm. Maybe Lilith wants to go over to her mom's house for tea. Mm. You know, mm. maybe mm. Ashahara is like the person who made the wellness tent. Mm. Um, mm. Lilith's done raving with with the, with the other <laughs> monsters, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, that's that's the that's the square that's that's unfolding. Is that Lilith is on one side, like challenged by the rave monsters, the Corona rave monsters, and on the other side is challenging the um, the home, the softness, the the receptivity, the nurturance of the Sun and Moon in Cancer, mm-hmm. and she's there, and it's that's why we can really choose. Also, seeing this lineup of Chiron and Mars and Eris and and Lilith, there's um, you know sometimes that that intensity when you're with a group of friends who also agree with you on something, it actually means that you get to. Oh, okay, I can drop this for a moment because Eris, my goddess of discord, who's going to go in and like throw the apple and just be like, wow, I'm just going to completely cause this ruckus. And then you got Mars as well, the dutiful warrior, the one who will get you what you want. So perhaps we don't, Lilith doesn't need to be banging the drum of the intensity. Mm. She will be, but it's not, she doesn't need to bang it so loudly, mm. you know, mm. and that she can spend a little bit of time actually like negotiating those squares negotiating with the corona planets negotiating with the sun and the moon in cancer and like the the way that we draw the way that we're connected to things when it's a challenge when that connection when that relationship is a challenge does not always need to be conflict does not Mm. always need to be the megaphone in someone's face Mm. sometimes it can be negotiation sometimes it can be mediation Mm. and that mediation can be full of that clean energy of Mars it Mm. can be full of that cauterizing energy I'm not saying negotiations sit down for six hours and have a big process where nothing gets cleared up we're talking about like what's the truth this is my truth we've been here for half an hour that was enough thank you very much this has completely Mm. changed the situation and that is also available with um, Lilith in Aries at the moment Mm. like Lilith can be effective Mm. through magnetism as well Mm -hmm. like she is this um yeah, she's not a physical entity. She's not an object. She is an energy. She's like a pull, like a gravitational pull. So this magnetism, I feel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's almost like um, if you are working with Lilith as an archetype, it's not to say put Lilith down and don't work with her now. It's almost like Lilith gets to have a break and Lilith gets to exercise trust in knowing that her magnetic energy, her mag- her magnetic gravitational pull will guide you where you need to go. That her work can be more in the subtle realm. It doesn't need to be so loud and... Um, destructive in the archetypal way that we know destruction to be Mm -hmm. yeah it can be a portal rather than a bombsite while melissa prepares themselves to guide us to the fertile soil 
of our own earth where we may plant seeds for our becoming. And while you gather yourself, perhaps lighting candles, incense, making yourself comfortable, let me tell you some stories of Lilith. The first story I share comes from a sister initiate in the goddess tree, Delina, wolf daughter. She says, the most famous story about Lilith is the Hebrew one, which is not in the Bible, but in some Jewish writings and the Kabbalah. There, Lilith was the first wife of Adam. She also was made of clay, and so she was not part of Adam. She refused to take the passive part when they had sex. She did not want to lie on her back. So she left Adam. There are different versions of the story. Some say that she actually was the snake who gave the apple to Eve. Some say that she went to live on the shores of the Red Sea, which actually consists of her menstrual blood. Some say she became a kind of demon who ate her own children or appeared in the dreams of Adam to steal his sperm. This is where we get some of the idea of this dark feminine energy, this spurned, vengeful, raging energy that she's kicked out of the Garden of Eden simply because she refuses to be subservient to a man who is made equal to her by God. And then the second wife of Adam comes later. Eve, made from his rib. Eve, incidentally, um, in Arabic and in Farsi and in Hebrew, is, is Hava. And Hava is the air, the spirit. And the Hebrew word for the female um, counterpart to the masculine god that some of us may be more familiar with is Shekhinah, also the Holy Spirit. In mystical Christianity, the Holy Spirit that we know, the God, the Father of the Holy Spirit, is also the feminine principle. And so Lilith, Lilith's name in, in various um, different ancient languages, also is speaking of spirit, is speaking of air, is speaking of something that is other than, that cannot be dominated, cannot be ruled. Delina also shares this story, an older story. She says... In an old Sumerian story, Lilith is the antagonist to Inanna. One day Inanna found a tree near the river Euphrates. It was the first tree on earth and Inanna took it and put it into her garden. After some years, a snake, a bird and Lilith came to live in the tree. They built their nest there. Inanna didn't want to have them in her tree, so she asked her brother Utu, the god of the sun, to cast them out, which he did. He made a throne and a nice bed for his sister from the wood of the tree, and Inanna was happy. Delina says that this story was written in 3000 BC. Nearly a thousand years later, there is another story of Gilgamesh, which is similar, but this time... Um, Inanna doesn't like the bed because the wood is um, dead and she doesn't feel good on it. And I wonder if this is the rising power of Lilith, this um, 
Lilith energy, this this strong female energy that is starting to be kicked out of society as patriarchy is rising, as the men are taking more and more power, suddenly the places where Lilith has been are no longer worthy for the queen to rest in because the queen needs to rest in somewhere that doesn't have these dreams of rebellion seeded in to the... or swept in or wept in or dripped in. Um, to the wood of that bed. I can sense that Melissa is almost ready to guide us, so I just want to share with you a song that I learnt from my own time with the Hebrew priestesses, a song which speaks to Shekhinah, to Lilith, to Astara, a song that asks that we open, that we open like a blossoming flower, to the spirit and the wisdom that guides us. Goddess, open my lips, open my lips and I will sing your praises. Shekhi Open my lips, open my lips and I will sing your praises. And I've translated this into Farsi, the language of my ancient ancestors. Astoro la boyeman la boyeman bozkun ahange eshkhbekhanam from whichever line this wellspring of your pleasure pours forth know that they all commingle into this moment where we are stepping into our ritual. <sighs> and so, the way that you can prepare for this ritual today is simply having a really beautiful private space that you can lie down and be undisturbed for 20 minutes. And if that's not available to you right now, I invite you to pause the track. And you're welcome to return to this ritual when you know you have that space to dive into you. But for now, all you need is a comfortable surface that you know you can lie on your back and move around for 20 minutes, whether that be a sheepskin on the floor or whether you do this on your bed. And in today's ritual, we're going to focus on the ribs and the chest and the lungs, the breasts, whether you're a femme-flavored person 
assigned female or assigned male person, we can all receive so much juiciness and healing and eros by activating the sensitivity or remembering the sensitivity that we have in our breasts. In traditional Kashmiri tantric lineages, um, we know that the heart is the gateway to eros, especially for female assigned people. So you can imagine that you're preparing your body for greater sensitivity so that when you come into union with another, your cup is full and there is a pouring over rather than a taking from the other. There is a pouring over of each of your cups. Hmm. Hmm. We focus on the chest and the heart chakra today um, because with all of this chaos happening outside, we want to really create a, a refuge within the body. Um, we want to create emotional resilience in the body by cultivating that basic foundation of pleasure and safety. And that is available within us, that self-sourced sexuality is available within us. And the easiest route to that sense of safety and self-sourcedness is through the heart space. The heart chakra in Sanskrit translates to the word unhurt, essentially. So we're remembering the unhurt parts of ourselves. There's so much opportunity to lean in the darker, wounded warrior aspects of us. However, the new moon in Cancer invites us to step into our yin nature, the refuge that's available to us in our heart space. My intention for this ritual is to help you remember the unhurt parts of you. Mm. And because this is a chance to start anew, we're going to use the imagery of a gateway, that the new moon is a portal to a new way of being, a new way of relating to our bodies, a non-linear way of relating to ourselves and to our life and to our body. So go ahead and find a comfortable surface that you can lie on your back. And the way that we begin any ritual together is focusing on the breath. Wherever you are, I invite you to take a deep, nourishing inhalation through the mouth as if you're sipping cosmic sexual energy from the universe in through a golden straw. You're going to fill the bowl of your pelvis, sending energy down to your genitals through this inhalation. And with your exhalation, exhaling from the mouth and releasing the jaw, you could imagine that you're releasing the breath both through your anus down to the earth below you and through your mouth, sending the breath through your perineum, through your prostate if you have one, and out through your pussy if you have one, down to the ground beneath you. 
Allow the sensations of breathing in and out to fill your mind. If any part of you feels tense or uncomfortable, breathe deeply into that place to soothe it. If you become distracted, return your focus to the breath until you're able to regain a state of sensual awareness and attention back on you. If your attention drifts, offer it compassion. The energy of the heart space is that of self-forgiveness and compassion. So if you notice any numbness, any unfeeling, any distractedness, say to yourself, that's fair enough, it's okay, and bring it back. Throughout the journey, it's important that we continue to breathe this way. And so once you feel like you've got the inhalation and the exhalation as juicy and as nourishing and as deep as possible for you, we're going to flow into our visualization here. Imagine that you are standing at a gateway. And that gateway can be anything. Let it be the first image that comes to you in your mind's eye. Before stepping through the gateway, remember as much about it as possible. Is it a wrought iron artwork or a garden arch or an ordinary door? or some surreal wardrobe in the middle of nowhere that you need to walk through. What does your gateway look like? And know that the first step into becoming more intimate with yourself is activating that playful aspect of the mind, the imagination. So trust whatever comes to you first. What does your gateway look like? Is it day? Is it night? As you step through this gateway in your mind's eye, allow yourself to notice how it feels to step through this gateway. Do you feel safe? Is there a change in your breath? Notice the quality of your heart right now as you step through this gateway. If you find yourself becoming distracted at any moment, remember that you have your essential toolkit of breath, of sound as you exhale, of touch. You can even lick your lips to remind yourself of just how present you are. Now that you've stepped through your gateway, in your mind's eye, I invite you to imagine yourself lying down. And let's come back home to the body where we are right now. 
I invite you to bring your awareness into your chest. Allow your inhalation to fill and expand the chest. Noticing the quality of the breath here as you expand the chest. Slowly exhale, letting the chest become smaller, sending the breath down to the genitals. And inhalation, slowly filling the chest up again. Just gently noticing. Noticing the quality of the heart here, and the quality of the breath. I invite you to Bring in the quality of touch to this ritual. If it feels safe and right and juicy to do so, we're going to use the center of the palm and the fingers to begin stroking the breasts, the chest, the ribs, You can begin slowly by resting each hand on the breasts, on the chest, simply saying hello as if this was the first moment you've truly met yourself in this way. you to bring in soft circular movements, soft circular touch of the breasts, as if you have never touched yourself before, as if you have never touched this part of your body before. And know that the center of the palm is the heart meridian. So you can imagine that your hands are communicating with your heart with every stroke of your chest. So what is it that your hands wish to say to your heart? The chest is the chalice of the heart. The chest is our refuge, our resilient home. If you find yourself becoming distracted, use the quality of the heart, which is open, forgiving, understanding, compassionate. Don't forget to breathe and with your exhale, releasing with sound. <sighs> Grounding in your intention here. What is this ritual in service to? What is your sensuality in service to? 
What are you using your sexual energy for? What is the purpose right now? What is the intention that you wish to ground into your body? The ritual mantra for today is, and you can let these words simply wash over you as you continue to integrate and move and sound and breathe. I'm going to read the mantra out loud three times and you're welcome to say it out loud to yourself to integrate the words deeper into your body. You can simply listen and let the words rain over you. Hear my rebellion. I will rest radically, finding refuge in the resilient home of my heart. <sighs> Hear my rebellion. I will rest radically finding refuge in the resilient home of my heart. Ah. Hear my rebellion. I will rest radically, finding refuge in the resilient home of my heart. And go ahead and take three deep, nourishing, juicy, orgasmic breaths into your body. Inhaling, sending all of the energy down to your genitals. And releasing the energy through your pussy if you have one, through your perineum if you have one. Trusting that that energy releases and soothes you at the same time. Trusting that the breath releases and soothes and grounds you every time. I invite you to complete this ritual the way that you started it. Bringing any movement to a sense of stillness. Letting there be a sweet pause. Make sure to return to your gateway and exit the same way you entered before opening your eyes. This preserves the sacredness of the journey and it avoids any difficulty in re-entering ordinary time and space. And this gateway is yours now that can be used whenever you need it for ritual space, for grounding. It's your gateway. A beautiful way that you can deepen that sense of grounding is simply by saying your name out loud three times to yourself and offering yourself some grounding touch in this moment. Mm. And may the rest of your day 
evening. Be radically restful and may you find refuge in the resilient home of your heart. New moon blessings. Meow.